0: Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Cyberson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Today's guest is Jeanette Matthew, who lives in North Yorkshire in the UK. She's a certified coach who helps individuals and organizations transform their uncertainty, overwhelm, and lack of clarity into goals, action plans, and confidence. Her specialty is helping people deal with anxiety. Jeanette delivered workshops around the world offering psychological hacks to managing and preventing anxiety and teaching people the mindset tools we can adopt preventatively to see everyday triggers through a different lens. As you might know, Joey, our son, has struggled with anxiety, which is one of the main reasons he self-medicates with cannabis. I've seen anxiety at the core of many teens issues, especially the high achievers. So Jeanette will be able to give us solutions for our kids and certainly parents of struggling teens have a giant heap of anxiety over their own situation too. So listen to Jeanette through your own lens too. She will give us lots of practical advice that you can start using today. Welcome to Safe Home Jeanette. Hello, Beth. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you. So, before we start talking about anxiety, can you just give us some background about yourself and your the unique jobs that have taken you around the world? You have quite a resume.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, I've had a lot of wonderful opportunities. So,
1: I started very early. So, as soon as I did my graduate degree in a Masters in Forensic Psychology, I joined the prison service, which was my dream job growing up. So, as a teenager. I'd always wanted to work in psychology and I'd always wanted to work with rehabilitation um, in some way. I thought forensic meant you were studying dead people. Uh, No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, so forensic psychology is anything really related to criminal behavior. It could be the courts, it could be justice, addiction. It's anywhere where psychology could be used in a forensic setting.
0: Oh, why did I think forensic was about dead people? Yeah. And and it can be in like a different
1: remit. Yeah. And in a different job. So I wouldn't deal with, you know, forensic samples or, you know, kind of that kind of data. Okay. Okay. It's very much about how we can apply what we know about
0: psychology into a forensic setting. Oh, interesting. Learned something new today.
1: Good. And so um, I started working in the prison service and at that point it was delivering like a range of offender behavior programs. So the prison itself offered quite a few. There was probably any one time, maybe five or six, you know, that, that offenders could choose from. And this wow. was juvenile offenders. And this is in the UK? It was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And this was aged between kind of 14 and 18 at that okay. time. Wow. And then it got to a point where I loved my psychology and I really wanted to do something different. And I'd, I'd always kind of loved working with young people. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was like, what can I do with it? And I love being in the groups. I love facilitating and the vibe and the energy that you get from, mm-hmm. from working with the group. And so it was actually a friend of mine who said, why do you think about teaching? So I was very fortunate that there was a scheme where you could work and get your teaching qualification oh. whilst you were actually teaching. Okay. So, so I did that and I absolutely loved it. I taught for many years in a lovely school here, learned so much. Um, and it was that that, led me to actually moving overseas oh, okay so it was it was one of those twists and turns where i've i've always loved travelling and i did actually live in america when i was 16 as an exchange student oh, nice. so i've always kind of had this passion for moving overseas trying something different and with teaching it kind of opens up so many doors you can you can do that you know wherever yeah. so had i said in the prison service i probably wouldn't have moved uh-huh. overseas uh-huh. and there wouldn't have been the opportunity necessarily but with teaching Um, So I actually did my first overseas move as a teacher to Muscat Oman in the Middle East. Whoa! It was incredible. It's a highlight of my my life, both personally and and professionally. And I was the psychology A-level teacher there. And again, they didn't have psychology at that school when I went. So it's a little bit like a theme of implementing something, trying something new, starting brand new. So, Mm. So I worked there for three years um absolutely loved it and it was there that i also started using my counseling skills again so they didn't have a counselor at that time so it was like a natural progression really to kind of combine the both okay and so i was working with the students there predominantly the students who were kind of about 14 to 18 okay and the the, the biggest kind of presenting issue at that time was anxiety uh-huh. um, yeah. yeah and 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 some depression Um, was coming through as well but predominantly anxiety and in a whole realm of areas social anxiety Mm -hmm. academic anxiety Mm -hmm. you know personal anxiety and so I was doing both and it was it was at that point where I loved 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 being involved with the young people and doing that again mm-hmm. and so I made the decision that I wanted to go back to that and do that full-time nice. I was then lucky enough that a job came up in a school in Singapore nice. um, and they were looking for at that time ahead of counselling and so I got the job and moved to Singapore and it's interesting because both of those places both the Middle East and Singapore I'd never actually been before I accepted the job oh my gosh yeah, it, it really was like that. It wasn't even like I'd been there on a holiday and fallen in love with it and thought mm-hmm. I want to come back here and work. Both of them were fresh moves. I'd unseen. Wow. Absolutely. And it was, you know, it was a big move. I had my own anxiety a lot, of, you know, because yeah. obviously I'm saying I'm moving here and you can imagine my family at one point when I said I'd have got this job in the Middle East. <laughs> what are you doing? You've never even been. Being, but it was very much like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And there was just this sense of, do you know what? I trust that it will work out. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be left abandoned. If something doesn't work, we can work around it. But yeah. There's going to be a way. Okay. So that was my own kind of sense of, you know, initial anxiety around that. And then, yes, I was in Singapore. And again, biggest issue by a mile was students or staff feeling anxious, burnt out, overwhelmed. And it was then that I really kind of in those those few years really honed, I feel kind of, right, you are going to have to be on the ball tonight. You are going to have to really know your stuff in terms of how you can best support these individuals. Um, so there was a lot more training I did. There was a lot of really delving into the strategies, the tools. If it didn't work, this what was another one we could do? Group training. So it was it was
0: a, a real, whew Yeah, that sounds really intense. And now, in addition to all those wonderful jobs you've had now, you are also having your own um, consulting, coaching, you call it? Yeah, my own coaching practice. So, well, I'd always been using coaching. So naturally, when you
1: are counseling or in any form really of psychological service, it's very much about the use of open questions very much about you know encouraging the individual to be mm-hmm. autonomous mm-hmm. so you know you don't want someone to feel they have to be in treatment you yeah. know forever right. it's about giving the skills sharing the skills and having them do it so coaching fits very much within that you know mm-hmm. you're trusting and believing that that person they have the answers. They 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 have the ability and the resources. Sometimes it's just about tapping in,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: you know, to that. And so, yeah, I would say towards the end of my first year there, coaching was something that I was naturally becoming more aligned with. Okay. And I was finding that when students or even you know staff or just general conversations with people, it might be friends, you know, that were having a hard time. But what I was finding was that when I really tapped into a more coaching approach rather than you know the go-to's cognitive behavioral therapy or acts you know some of the treatment modalities the results were happening so much quicker for that individual so the student would come in feeling in an absolute spiral Mm -hmm. you know literally their entire they might even come in in tears or they'd come in frazzled you could tell by their body language the words they were speaking quickly or they would perhaps come in and just be like and then just break down a cheese not even able to articulate what it is so i found that my kind of my area of of expertise or my niche or the area that i was really impassioned about was in that moment ah. what can we do so allowing that person to come to a sense of calm kind of realign recalibrate and then open them up to a possibility that there's actually another way of thinking about this or how else can we view this what have we tried before or what do you need right now in this moment because there's also an assumption sometimes that when you are following you know quite a rigid modality it's like well okay we've done this we move on to the next session we do this um and you know and you are responsive in a a clinical setting but what I was finding was that when I tapped into and approached it as a okay, what would be the most beneficial for you to get out of this an hour from now?
0: Mm-hmm. Really practical.
1: Yeah, if you could feel different when you left this room compared to what you do now, what would have changed? What looks different? Yeah. And then that becomes the goal. That becomes the, the session yeah. outcome. Yeah. And then you deep into that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Jan, my wife and I have done coaching and I've done a million hours of therapy, but coaching moves you along much quicker. I think both are necessary yeah. and both have a good place, but coaching is just right there, ready to go. What do we do right now? I really like it. I 100% agree with you,
1: Beth. And absolutely to both points, yeah. both of them have their need. yeah. And you know, I've come from both, both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even with clients that I work with potentially in coaching, there may be something that is brought to the table where it might be that actually I would encourage them to go and speak separately to a psychologist, yeah. a psychiatrist, seek medical help, because in that moment with them, I am working with them as their coach, yeah, not as their psychologist, not as their psychiatrist, you know, so it's, it's very much about what does that person need? Yeah. And you're right, the coaching mm-hmm. can be by itself, or it can be in an addition, mm-hmm. you know, to what somebody's receiving. And the other thing I think about coaching, which you've kind of just touched on there is... Quite often when people, you know, decide that they might want to go to therapy, mm-hmm. it's for a specific reason. You know, it might be that they have depression. It might be that they they have anxiety, they have addiction. Mm-hmm. And so when you say coaching, people think, oh, but there's, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, actually coaching is so different to that. You don't have to come with a mental health concern. Yeah. Actually, what you're doing is you're kind of like, I don't know, something, something's not feeling right or I'd like uh-huh. to change something yeah. or I just need like to work on my goals or um, I'm feeling just a bit icky in this area and I'd kind of like to explore it or I am you know, I could really do some help on my motivation.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like this area and this area is going really well, but something's just not sinking with yeah. that. It's very concise. But therapy maybe is a good, great place to kind of dig through all of your trauma, your mm. old stuff, childhood stuff. <laughs> and that takes a long, long time. But coaching, Eight. you can just narrow down to whatever transition or whatever you're wanting to change mm. right now. I love you, it. You know, you've just reminded me of something as well when you were doing those arm movements.
1: <laughs> There's a really good visual diagram of the difference between kind of therapy and coaching. Oh, okay. And it, and it's kind of like if you imagine like a you know linear uh-huh. position and then you have the first part of it is what a therapist would deal uh-huh. with, the unpacking, yeah. what has brought you yeah. here. Yeah. Why is this? What is the trigger? What was the wound? Mm-hmm. And then coaching starts from here. Yeah. And it's like, where do you want to be? Okay. From here to what's, present what's the, next to the next step. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. Yeah. dealing with in the present. And that's why, you know, someone could come to coaching and I could talk with them about something completely different in context every other week. It's yeah. they don't come to the session and I said, okay, so picking up from last week, right? Yes. You know, how did that go? It's
0: not, it's like, where are we today yeah. what do you want to work on today yeah with our with our life question like okay so this week joey did x y and z and it's making me bananas because of this yeah. and this and then by the end of the hour like okay i've re scripted that so yeah i think i think everybody needs a therapist and everyone needs a coach so go get <laughs> go get one of each very good <laughs> what <I> late <fully> conquer? <laughs> you've worked with a lot of teens which is you know a lot of our listeners are parents of struggling yeah. teens what what's causing their anxiety what what are they coming to you with is it school family identity issues the majority
1: that i have worked with and i think we also have to kind of remember that you know this is very specific to the ones i've worked that there's going to be young people who have anxiety in their family or their school who may never
0: Say that out loud. Sure. A lot of taboos, you mean?
1: Yeah. Well, or even just maybe don't want to seek support or oh. don't know how to. So it's kind of like, yeah. So the ones that I have seen, they could be a whole other subset yeah. you know, yeah. of like a, speci- of a reason as to why they're feeling the way they are. But the ones that I have, you know, been lucky enough to, to work with was social anxiety. Oh, okay. Social anxiety. And then alongside that was academic anxiety and perfectionism the yeah. fear of failure the fear of getting things wrong there would be students in year seven so that would be like 11, okay. 11 to 12 years old who would come in tears petrified about a test that they've got in class next week because they want to go to a certain university
0: in like <sighs> eight stress eight
1: years time yeah um and i you know you used to you, you, you Find yourself thinking, what was I thinking about? Was I left? I don't even think I even knew what university Uh. was. So it's a sign of the times as well and a sign of the the pressure. And also, you know, in in high achieving schools, this expectation or even expectation that they place on themselves, even if it's not coming externally. Yeah how I should be,
0: how I should perform. Mm. And they're scared of getting it wrong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Joey's high school, his high school was in a pretty wealthy area. And it was just the expectation that every single student would go to college, which I'm married to an electrician who went to trade school and is making three times as much money as me. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, there are so many different paths than just college people. Come on, you guys. But the kids are just a wreck. And, you mm-hmm. know, in these different hospitals Joy's been in, man, you could just see the, you know, the the prom queen and the head cheerleader. Yeah. You know, all these yeah. kids are trying to do all the things and please their parents and get into the right school so they supposedly mm-hmm. will have a fabulous life. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then, <laughs> and we had to just realize, okay, we're just going to be happy if our son survives. And so grades, yeah. pff, who cares about grades? Yeah. Luckily, he graduated high school just basically because COVID, they reduced the amount of credits you needed greatly the year he graduated. Otherwise he'd probably still be in school for the next three years trying to hack away at it, you know? So he lucked out, but I think it helped that we just sort of let it go. It's like, uh, okay, priorities here. We just need you alive. So whatever we have to
1: do to that. And I think, you know, with regards to that, you've, you've mentioned a few things there. It's when we're focused on that outcome. A lot of the time as well. And, you know, like changing the way we look at the outcome. Well, actually, the best possible outcome for me and my family in this point is that Joey survives. He makes it through. And if he graduates, amazing. That's a a bonus. But it's certainly not an outcome that
0: we need to have in order to feel success. Yeah. I had come to terms with the fact that he might not graduate. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, you know, and a a few years before that, before our whole crisis, happened i would be like joey you got a b minus what in the heck so i was Mm -hmm. one of those parents because i always got good grades and i was like well i guess that's just what everyone does but you know not everybody does and it's not the most important thing so i had just released this in general like graduating from high school which seemed like a given at a certain point just even
1: just when you're saying then that you just kind of released Mm -hmm. Even that, that sense when I'm looking at you, it's like oh, just, almost like you could breathe go. again. Yeah. You know? And 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 from that place of, you know what, I'm just gonna release this outcome. I'm gonna release this expectation. It feels like something almost radically shifted there and then for yep, you and for did. Joey.
0: It did. Attention was suddenly like off. And then he feels it too. You know, he knows that I'm not going crazy about his high school, like with a spotlight on him. Like, are you going to do this thing? Are you going to get it done? Oh my god! Oh my god! And that doesn't help yeah. his anxiety one bit, right? To freak out ourselves. No, no. And and there's something else you said
1: then as well about you know people who it's this. You have to go to college. You have to go to university. Yeah. You have to do this. And there's something there about. And again, some of the students that come to me about anxiety, it's this element that they. A sense of permanency, yeah. like it's like once I choose this, that's it. And and this thing of what if I choose the wrong course at university? What if I go and and I I don't th- that degree doesn't help me get a job? Yeah. And and I remember back to when I was getting my degree, and I was really fortunate. I knew what degree I wanted mm-hmm. to do, so there was no anxiety around choosing it. I, I knew mm-hmm. I I was I was really lucky, and I knew what job I wanted to do. So again, I I looked out on that because knowing the way that my head works if I hadn't have known yeah. what job I wanted to do, I probably would have been one of those students yeah. spiraling yeah, yeah, because I'm like, and I could just see the, 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 way my narrative would go. So I was really lucky having said that when I was in my job, and then I decided to leave the prison service and go to teaching, there was a definite internal shift that was happening in a conflict because I come from a generation and all of my family, they went into a job. Yeah. They stayed in it. Yeah. Gold watch. And, and they, oh my God, the whole way. Yeah. And so it, it was that kind of thing. That's an expectation that I just thought you do. Yeah. You just go into the job and you stay in it. And so there was a definite kind of, oh, I'm, I'm, and I, at that point I was thinking, how does this affect like finances or pensions? Or, mm-hmm. And even I was starting to, you know, and mm-hmm. leaving and starting my new career was the best decision yeah. I could have ever made. Yeah. And so when students have come to me, both in the first school that I worked in and then overseas as well, I can feel this panic about getting it right. Yeah, They've got yeah. this; it has to be right. And and so one of the things that I really work with them on is it's about what's the the best decision at this stage. Yeah, because you can always change, right? You can change. And yeah. I use my own example, yeah. you know. And and it's about okay, you you go and do this course, and you give it six months, and actually, this course is just not for you. There's other courses. Yeah, you can change the next year. You can go to a different university, you can stay at that. There's always another yeah. option. There's so much and you can see the fear when I say that. It's like, but no, I have to get it right first time. Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of exploration there about well, what does it mean to be right mm-hmm. in this moment? Yeah. Do you want to be right? Or actually do you want to feel that you have choices and yeah. that you're choosing one that makes you happy? Yeah. And you're choosing a degree that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. And the outcome of whether or not that leads straight away to a job, you can, like you've just said earlier, you can release that expectation because actually if you go and you do a degree and you do a a degree that you love and you're passionate about, you're going to be psychologically healthier. You are going to be happier in the content that you are learning. You're going to be more motivated. Mm -hmm. And actually that is going to shine through when you come to finding your job.
0: Yeah. You know, right. you can right.
1: rather than doing a degree that you've hated, I know some students who are like, Oh, my, you know, I'm doing this. My uh, parents think it's the best one yeah. to go and get this job. And they're yeah. like, I really hate this subject though. And I'm, I just envision, I'm thinking that's four years. Yeah. Yeah. Of you feeling unhappy with this. Yeah, How is that going to transpire when you go to a job and you're going to an interview? Yeah. Where are you going to find the enthusiasm and the optimism? Yeah. You're not going to um, sparkle at all there. Yeah. So there's definitely something there about, learning early that you can change routes
0: and parents need to be able to allow their kids to explore things and and Mm. not be so rigid about everybody must go to college or you must go to this college or there's just such a wide variety of paths people can take and I think parents sometimes get hung up on either they didn't do the path they wish they could have done or they loved their path and think their kids should follow in their footsteps or whatever but I think Mm -hmm. parents can do a a lot of releasing expectations on these Mm -hmm. kids and, you know, lower everybody's anxiety around it because everybody figures out their path one way or another, you know. That's absolutely it. And sometimes they have to go down what potentially might
1: feel like the wrong path or even when they're looking back on it, it's the wrong path. But actually it was just a redirection or in that case, maybe going down that path actually protected you from what could have been a potentially more dangerous path yeah. another way. So you might look at it and think, oh, I wouldn't have chosen that path for my my son or my daughter. But actually in hindsight, yeah. they could have gone down that path. You know, when you know you thinking about how you have looked through this lens of Joey as being like, my God, I'm so proud of him. He's actually graduated. And yes, yeah. okay, it was COVID intervened yeah. and helped a little, you know, it kind of, but it could have been a different way. Oh, yeah. But you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, you might have had a very different hope or dream. For Joey in school, and I, you know, I think that's a really important point that you've made. That as parents, there's such a difference when a student is relaxed and secure. They feel Mm -hmm. secure that whatever Mm -hmm. decision they're going to take, their parents will support them, even if they don't 100% agree with that choice of university. Yeah, if they can kind of, you know, say to themselves, "You know what, my parents would prefer me to go to this one, but there's something about this one I really Uh want to go to Uh or this subject." they are going in such a healthier mindset yeah. yeah. than the students who are coming to me. And, you know, like we've just said, the parents have picked out the university by the time they're like 12. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, this is where you're going and in between, you know, if you think about it, in those
0: years, how much you change oh, so much and you grow. So. It's much better to go with your intrinsic motivation, right. To, mm-hmm. to go with what you and your heart feels like you need to do your passion, your drive, but it, it's tough for parents. You know, it may not be, what you envisioned, or it may not be something you enjoy or even understand. You know, my parents had no idea what I was doing with my music. They appreciated my music, but they didn't know that it was possible to have it as a career, which I ended up doing. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And there's,
1: and there's so much more careers possible, yes. isn't there, at this state? Like to when oh, I was at school, to when you were at school, oh, our parents yeah. were at school. It's like gone it's from, you know, five options police oh, yeah. officer, fire officer teacher, nurse, you know, it's like you have that.
0: And now there's jobs that we'd never heard of before. Oh my God, there's hundreds
1: and you can make your own jobs. Yeah, You can diversify, you know, you can move from one job to the next. There's not this kind of permanency of you've got to stay in this job forever.
0: And I think that allows you to kind of grow in different areas for sure. Oh yeah. And be creative. I mean, I know all the kids think they can all be YouTube influencers, but certainly there are some that, (laughs) that make their living on the internet and and do creative things and you know whatever whatever you need to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's good yeah so when you have a kid that's spinning and spiraling and just totally a mess when they come into your office what what are some of the Mm -hmm. tools you use to get them to feel better by the end of that hour you know those short term how do we get them pulled together
1: yeah so one of the the tools that I learned probably later than I wish I'd I'd learned earlier and I was thinking about this before we spoke today and I was like if I had this when I was working in the prison service, such a simple question, how might some of my conversations have gone differently when an offender was sat opposite me and, you know, clearly was was angry or was frustrated or was, you know, not in the most kind of enthusiastic <laughs> um, demeanor to to want to converse. So one of the things that I learned that I would do when a student or, you know, a member of staff would would kind of come in would be to ask the question okay so it's like what do you need right now uh-huh. so if they're coming in in a spiral it's literally what do you need right now do you need to vent mm-hmm. do you need to solution seek mm-hmm. do you need to be alone
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know or, you know in that sense like if they were in the room but it might just be they need a moment of quiet yeah and sometimes I've done that where i have just like and they're just like I think I just need to be alone for a second and I will just I'll just leave the room for just a few minutes I'm still there mm-hmm. but I'm just outside and it just gives them that chance. But that question mm-hmm. has a, such mm-hmm. a, a multitude of benefits. What it does is also it creates a pause. Mm-hmm. So if you think about parents who might be, and I'm, so I'm trying to make this general as well as uh-huh. stu- you know, students who come into a room, mm-hmm. because we can use this anywhere. Sure. Whenever we're kind of in like a, a heated discussion, potentially with children, mm-hmm. and you think this, this is heightened, just by asking that question, it creates a natural pause in itself it helps our logical brain kick back in mm-hmm. that logical, practical, newer brain. And it kind of dials down that amygdala, which is the fight or flight yeah. and everything's heightened. And so it does that first. So it's creating that pause, re-engaging the brain, but then also it's, it's putting the onus back onto the other person as well. Mm-hmm. It's given them options. So sometimes when we're in that moment, we both know, that when you're, you know, a student who's maybe be heightened in any way, it might be anxious, or angry, it's a fear and it's an out of control, or I don't know how to articulate what's going on mm-hmm. and it comes out in other ways. So even just by that, it might be that they need to vent. So I said, tell you what, let's, let's sit down. You vent away. I'm going to, you know, let's say five minutes, 10 minutes. I just want you to literally let rip, uh-huh. you know, you okay. say whatever's happening, yep. how you're feeling. You can get angry. You can get upset. You can just go with it. Mm-hmm. And then I think if you, if you take this even out of that into another way, by asking that question, we can do that ourselves. So if a parent, you know, might be listening to this and they themselves are in a spiral, uh-huh, you know, yes. it might have been following a heated argument earlier in the day or a worry or a fear or they're anxious. Mm-hmm. They can literally tune into themselves and ask, okay, hey, what do I need right now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and in this moment, do I just... Do I need to vent? In which case, how can I do that? So, have I got somebody that I can call and say, "Do you have the bandwidth right now? You know, do you have yeah. ten minutes? Yeah. Are you in the are you in a space where you can literally just let me brain dump and offload? Yeah, because also I think you've got to give them the opportunity yeah. to say no. They, yeah. might, they themselves might yeah, be not yeah, in the best space. Piece. Yeah, right. yeah. So I think you can do that. But if there isn't anybody around. You can also do that yourself. You can literally either vent out loud or you can get a journal, you get a piece of paper. And I heard a lovely expression the other day, someone called it rage on a page. <laughs> and literally just, yeah. you know, yeah, putting everything down. So you can vent or if it's a solution, you know, if someone comes into my room and they're in a spiral and I say, what is it you need? Do you need to vent? Do you need to solution seek? And if they say, I just got this assignment due and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I've got all of these other pressures and da, da, da. It's quite clear that at that moment they maybe need to, after a bit of recalibration, solution seek. They need to, like you said, what do they want for when they leave this room? Actually, they want to leave with a plan.
0: Okay. They want to
1: leave with some specific steps that is just going to release this worry mm-hmm. of the potential mm-hmm. of what might occur, which is you know a big factor when we're dealing with anxiety, that forecasting yes. of the what ifs. So it might be that we sit down, solution seek. Okay, what is the actual issue right now? And that's another way as well. I use a lot of vocabulary in the moment. So by saying, what is the current issue? What is, what is bothering you right now? Mm -hmm. Because that could be quite different to the overriding issue. So they might have anxiety. They might have addiction. They might have depression. That's, that's an umbrella. And then there's lots of different things, as you know, that can can come from that. And so yes, their overriding issue might be, well, I've got social anxiety, but actually in that moment when they're in that room, that's not their concern. They're worried because they have got exams next week, they're feeling worried they're not sleeping, they've got assignments due. They're in that spiral. So the social anxiety isn't a concern right there and then what is their concern is that. So we would sit down and solution seek. Mm -hmm. So I think using the language right now, that's another tool Mm -hmm. that might be you know good one to bring in at this moment because thinking of the vocabulary that we use quite often when we're in a spiral a frazzle a you know looking at the hypotheticals going down the route of forecasting the most threatening situation you know that could occur or outcome you know back to that outcome it's bringing yourself back to the present Mm -hmm. because when we feel like that And I've been there, I'm sure you've been there. You know, most Mm -hmm. people have at some point in their life where it can come out in different ways. It can come out in a spiral and like, you know, thoughts that are just all jumbled. It can come in like that fight or flight, that uneasiness, feeling your heart's racing. Or it can actually come out in another way where actually you feel quite detached and you feel quite kind of in like a paralysis where I actually, I don't know what I want or what I need. Or I can't even decide whether or not to go make my lunch right now or, you know, it it can be, it can be, you know, in a multitude of ways. So I think when you're in that, the fear of, oh my God, how am I going to get out of this? Am I always going to feel like this? Is this me now? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Is this who I am? And so it's telling the brain, this is temporary. So Mm -hmm. using things like right now, I am aware that I am having some anxious thoughts Mm -hmm. or today has been a really difficult day. Mm Or this morning, I actually felt better. Or in this moment, I can tell that I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So you're using very specific time-sensitive words because mm-hmm. not only does that help you when it's in that moment, or when you're speaking to somebody, the more that you use it, you're actually creating a new narrative for your brain. Yeah. So that the next time that you are in this moment of just terror, it's just, you know, a paralysis. When you were in that, your brain as we know, is amazing. Like it filters and it, it's mm-hmm. super protective and it jumps to all the worst case scenarios because that's its job, Yeah, you know, and it sends them flooding to you. And, it, it, you know, if you think about it, you know, it's bringing you a treat. It's like, it's, oh my God, Jeanette, this could happen, this could happen, uh, this could happen, this could happen. You are welcome. It's trying to <laughs> and, keep you safe, but. For sure. And it thinks it's doing the most amazing job. And it doesn't understand that as we're receiving yeah. it, this is like catastrophic. And it sends uh, us into an even, bigger spiral. So it's doing its job by literally almost kind of, I see it's like going through like a filing cabinet of yeah, what's the last situation that this, she was in like this, or what's the, uh-huh. the closest scenario to it? What happened in that? And so when I'm working with people, I'm thinking, right, let's, let's use this to our advantage. How can we now rewire this? How can we make it so that next time this happens and your brain is scrambling because it it moves so quick and it's Mm. so efficient and it's scrambling for all this data that actually it brings data through that says actually the last time that this happened it was okay you were okay Mm. you were safe you actually went and did this or you you went and spoke to this person Mm. you had this resource and so the more evidence that we can build up and and I use words like it's evidence, it's data. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Even like our physiological response to anxiety is data. Mm -hmm. And so actually we can start to use that data, almost like a biofeedback Mm -hmm. in in terms of how we can then preempt this in the future as well, but also how we manage it in, you know, in that, in that very moment. So you can see there's quite a bit how we use our language, Mm -hmm. trying to create different evidence. Mm -hmm for future events. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I probably went off on a
0: total tangent there. No, that was <laughs> excellent. I could totally relate to all that. Cause when you're in that spiral, you think that it will always be like that. Yeah. And I'm never gonna get out of it. You know, you just, it feels yeah. like you're stuck. So yeah, that, that present right. language. Yeah. if You feel trapped. Yeah. 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 So it is, you're right. It's, it's getting that present language. And
1: so physiologically, I mean, some people very efficiently are able to use meditation, mm-hmm. you know, to bring them back to the present and grounding techniques, mm-hmm. you know, and there is a wide range of them. And the one is the five, four, three, two, one, you know, the yeah. five things you can see the four things you can hear, you know, even that I've used that many times with, with students, you know, in the moment, but I think anything that clicks you back into the present that this is not permanent mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm also kind of very careful and encourage people to when they're talking about their anxiety or depression whatever it is they're feeling doesn't matter what age they are either mm-hmm. is about how they define that so quite often you know a student will come into the room and they'll say I am anxious or I am depressed." And they've named it and they've, they've identified with it. Uh-huh. And so any kind of thoughts that they have or behaviors, they will then make the assumption that this is, oh, this is because I'm depressed. Oh. And sometimes it's really important to kind of think, well, actually anybody who had got a, you know, a, a result that was lower than what they hoped for on their test would feel disappointed. Yeah. They might feel low. They might feel frustrated with themselves. They might have a sleepless night. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's very important that we kind of normalize certain yeah. emotions and behaviors and at the same time have them say, okay, so you are, you know, you're Sarah, you're Beth, and you are experiencing anxiety yes. as opposed to I am
0: anxious. Yes. Taking it away from a label, an yes. overall label of your whole self. But labels have a really important purpose you know like
1: labels and diagnosis allow us to be treated they allow us to have the right prescriptions but there's also like you know just and then it's it's about not being wrapped up in i am this Mm -hmm. this issue yeah i am feeling it i am experiencing it because in the same way that any thought or emotion is not a fact it's just something that's passing through and you know a belief is just something that a thought that we have regularly yeah. But that's all it is. So if we were having, you know, a thought that, you know, you, I'm the most talented pianist in the world. Uh-huh. We would start to believe that, yeah. you know, yeah. if we were having it regularly enough, yeah. doesn't mean it's a fact. Yeah, right, right. Um, so I think it's about how we are articulating and self-talking yeah. about what we are feeling and experiencing so that it's a little bit like, okay, yes, I do have feelings of anxiety or I'm having the thought that this could go wrong. But again, what that is saying is it's like, it's a, it's a possibility. It could be part of me. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole me. And it doesn't mean that this is a permanent state of being. Yeah,
0: right, right. That's so important. And I have used a lot of those tools that you were talking about along the way. I've just kind of picked them up. Buddhism helped me a lot with that, with that mm. kind of being present and um, letting go um, and just all the breathing techniques. I do the five, four, three, two, one, two. too. yeah but what five things you see four things you hear hear. and I always used to say to my students it doesn't matter if you get it in the wrong order
1: quite frankly it's just the process isn't it of re-engaging but yeah so seeing hearing smelling touching tasting tasting you've got it so tasting is the last one isn't it the one that's quite you maybe test the toothpaste or something Uh, you know your teeth if I've had a student or somebody I'm working with who in that moment is spiraling mm-hmm. or myself. Mm-hmm. Breathing is underrated. And I, yeah. and I remember when I was learning, I didn't lot breathing. So I did a yoga qualification in India when I was working overseas. Okay. I, I went there for, yeah. And it was, I stayed in ashram and I was there for, a, I think just under five weeks. Whoa. Oh, it was, okay. it was so different, but it was uh, such a different experience. And I, that it was there that I was introduced to different types of breathing. I didn't realize there were so many. I mean, I literally, and some of them were so tricky to master. It was really hard, but what it does is it, it helped me to kind of understand that the way that the diaphragm works. And to the point where you almost start to think, I've been breathing wrong my whole life. Like (laughs) I didn't even know. So I remember like when I used to breathe in, I used to suck my belly in. Like you would... Uh-huh. You would think that like you would do that. And actually, you know, what you did is you want to expand, Yeah, you know, you want to breathe in. And so you push in the belly out. So I'm a great, what helps me is to put, you know, my right hand on my chest, my left hand on my belly. And when I'm breathing in, breathing in through the nose, pushing my belly out really slowly, getting into the habit of trying to hold it. And then as you breathing back out through your mouth, try and exhale longer than what you, yes. you and even that's so hard, isn't it? But I love that one. even just that yeah, and just you know, bring in the belly button back in and trying to do that deep long breath, it's amazing how quickly the physiological system responds and how your yeah. parasympathetic system yeah. kicks back in, calms you down. So sometimes that would be the first thing I would do with a yeah. client, you know. Even at that point where you've said, you know, what would you first do? It might be that they come in they they start to vent which often they do or they start to cry you know and then we would look at right okay let's just take a breath and let's do that and there's some wonderful visuals so if somebody you know and quite often when you suggest breathing you can see their face almost be like Are you kidding me that's that's the tip <laughs> the tool that you're giving me um because they want something that's like you know what if you do this they want the magic wand yeah yeah you know if you do this yeah. this anxiety is just gonna go away but why what I've kind of shown in, in that work is that actually that breathing is one of the quickest yep. ways.
0: It is like a magic tool right it, there.
1: It is that you can re-engage and if they don't feel comfortable kind of, or they find it quite hard to concentrate and holding their breath and counting the beats, you know, I've seen some brilliant things just on YouTube, you know, where you follow the box breathing oh, and yeah. you follow the yeah. balloon raising the, and then coming back down. And it's actually quite interesting that when you think you've actually got your breathing quite calm, And then you see the balloon, and you you follow one of those programs, and and I'm like, oh my god, is the balloon not going down yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there's you know there's a variety. If somebody doesn't feel comfortable just sitting there with that because they find it quite hard, they
0: can watch it. Yeah, I like those
1: can listen to
0: it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I love I love those visuals. That that really helps to keep you on track because otherwise your mind will take you away or you'll do too quickly or whatever. I also, yeah, um, yeah. when I was deep into it with Joey, like crisis, I have this mm-hmm. mindfulness app, the mindfulness uh-huh. bell, and you can set it to ring one of those singing bowl tones. And oh. I set it for random every approximately fifteen minutes, so it would just do this really soothing bell. Let me see if I could. Uh, can you hear that? Oh, nice! I can. And it doesn't bother anyone, but it just oh, reminds so me. Peaceful. <gasps> yeah. Take a breath. Yeah, and that's all yeah. just I just would take one breath but every 15 minutes or whatever you can set it for whatever you just ensure that you take a nice big breath and it so helped me to stay calm and able to function and deal with whatever was right in front of me so oh what an amazing tool and one that you found
1: that that works for you yep one that yep that, everybody that's has simple, to find
0: something that
1: yeah. that's it and try different things you know you found one that It's easy to implement, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got, it's on your phone. So it can be taken absolutely anywhere it's preset. So it's not like you have to think every day or I have to kind of, you know, reschedule that it just happens. And in that moment, even when you think maybe you don't need it again, a lot of what we talk about, isn't it? Whether it be our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, it's about consistency Mm -hmm. and it's about keeping it going, especially in those times where you feel okay. Because in, in those moments where actually you feel, you know what, I'm doing great. That's a great time where sometimes I will work with people to be like, right from this place, mm-hmm. what opens up, what is shifting, yeah. or from this place, what can we now? When you're in this clear mind, you have this clarity, you have this sense of peace. Mm-hmm. What can we unpack? What can we get curious about? What we, can, what can we kind of make notes on that will then be a tool for you when you're not having this type yeah. of clarity. When you're at home and you wake up in one of those funks, mm-hmm. where you just feel it, either the anxiety or just mm-hmm. like a, I don't know what to do with myself yeah. today. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I've just woke up in this because in that space of clarity, when you have those tools, if you have them to access, it's brilliant because in that moment, it's really hard to bring those strategies to the forefront yeah. of your brain. Yeah.
0: It takes so, practice. You know, Right, yeah. oh,
1: absolutely. And so, you know, you now have the singing bowl that even if you're having an amazing day, yeah. um, it will go off and it reminds you, oh, take a breath. So, again, your physiological and your nervous system is always getting into this habit of resetting, mm-hmm. calming down, recalibrating. Mm-hmm. And that when you do need it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to remember that. Yeah. It's not going to take as long yeah, to like get back to memory. that.
0: absolutely really really great advice all of the tools you've shared and just information has been so helpful I know it'll help the parents that are listening and you know the kids these are all tools that kids can learn even little kids can learn some of these things just the awareness and just that you do have control Mm -hmm. over how you be how your behavior is coming out of your own body you can you can decide you have you have choice Mm -hmm. and choice gives autonomy and I think
1: you know that noticing it even from a young age and, and having young children and adolescents because sometimes even adolescents find it difficult to articulate what emotion it is that they're feeling so imagine if we were working with you know people from a really young age to to be able to select what emotion it uh, yeah. is and even I sometimes you know like I've seen emotion wheels where i'm looking at i'm like my gosh i didn't even realize there was all these different ways that i could describe oh, yeah. anger like yeah you know, yeah and so it, it's it's about you
0: know can they learn
1: from that younger yeah.
0: age yeah catch them young get them going with without yeah. language and yeah talking about feelings and ah modeling good behavior parents we need to model it for our kids mm-hmm. ah. <laughs> for sure and, and showing them ways to do it mm-hmm. you know I'm all
1: for what is a simple. What's the simplest thing I can do? Because what we don't want to do is invoke even more overwhelm with like giving somebody a list of ten strategies. Go away and you know do them. And one of the most effective strategies that I've come across that might you know be helpful for you know anybody who's listening to this, whether it be a young person or adult, is is getting quite prescriptive. So on you know on those days where you do have that clarity and you, or you are feeling that bit better, it's kind of, you know, just on a post-it notes, get in a pack of post-it notes on in each post-it note, write down one thing oh. that has made that day or made you have more pleasure or clarity or peace that day. And I mean, even from the basics. So if somebody has, you know, when they're in that spiral of anxiety or depression, they find it even difficult to get out of bed. It might even be something as simple as, you know, having a shower. Cleaning the teeth, such yeah. simple ones, and if they can do two of those that day, it's a win. Yeah. Um. But and, and I've used it myself before, and I've had maybe and you don't want to do too much. You know, can you imagine if you had a whole wall? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. wake up in the normal. morning, you are like, oh my gosh, I can't get through it all. But you know, like four or five. Yeah. And so one of them, you know, for me is always go for a walk. Um, if ever I am in some form of spiral, yeah whether it be anxiety or just kind of just feeling out of alignment and and not not myself. I guarantee that if I go for a walk, I'm going to feel a thousand percent better and I'm certainly not going to feel worse. Yeah, right. And so even if I come back and that's the only thing I do that day, I don't manage to do anything else. It's still a win. Yeah, I've moved my body. So you get those, you know, you get the dopamine hit already. You are getting that fresh air. So, So that is something, a really simple strategy. And again, another really easy one to incorporate for anybody is you've just mentioned earlier about, you know, choosing we can choose and I think sometimes when we give ourselves a choice so for example if you're in bed and you wake up and that that immediate thought starts spiraling in your head of anxiety or where the day's going to go you you can go catastrophizing you know by the end of it you're just like I can't even face the world I can't get out of bed but in that moment if you have made your choice that your choice will be not should I get out of bed Instead, your choice is right when I get out of bed, am I gonna have my shower first or my breakfast? Mm. So you are you are bypassing, you're not even giving yourself the choice of do I stay in bed. It's a bit like if you think, oh, should I go to the gym? The answer will always be no. Like nobody kind of is <laughs> like, oh my god, yes, I kind of went, you know, like some people are. I, I take that back. But the majority of people are like, no, do you know what? If I could have the benefits without going to the gym, I probably would. So instead of giving yourself the chance to go to the gym, you just say, okay, I'm going to go out for a run or am I going to do like an online video workout? Oh, there you go. So it's how we use our choices. And again, it's opening somebody up to, oh, I do have a choice. And actually I can, there's many choices that I could choose. Mm -hmm. So in that moment of spiral, you do have a choice. And that's even something you can say to a young person who's spiralling at that moment. So again, it goes back to that, you know, do you need to vent? Yeah. Do you need solution seeker? And that might not even be you. It might be that they got on the phone with somebody else. Yeah. Do you need to pause? Do you need just kind of just a bit of space? Um. Or in that moment of, right, should we go for a walk or should we go for a drive? What do you think? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's still shifting because one of the worst things that we can do for ourselves is when we're feeling stuck or trapped is to Physically stay standing still yeah. or sitting because we're holding it in our body. Yeah. We're holding it in the energy of the space that we're in. So even just moving from the sofa to out of that room to the kitchen to outside, yep. and I do this with coaching even online. You can tell when I'm working with somebody if they're in this, they keep revisited the problem. Mm-hmm. They are going over and over the problem. There's lots of yeah, but if I do, but but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but. there's a lot of buts, and they go back into it. And sometimes I look like we need to we need to move the space yeah. here just let let's something. move yeah. around stand go to the window tell me what you can see yeah and it's almost like as soon as they physically move their body uh, something shifts and something opens so even something that. as simple as that when you're with a student or a young person in a you know new family that is in a moment yeah. should we go let's step
0: outside let's go for a drive let's go for a walk that's really really good advice just that shift uh of just your physical stance that that can really just shift your mind around and just shake it up a little bit like one of those snow globes just shake it up yeah Yeah. that's a really yeah that's a really good way of looking at it it
1: is it shifts it moves things around the energy the vibration Uh um and also you know if you can actually get outside yeah that's Uh, even you know uh, nature is so healing and it just creates as well just a different atmosphere sometimes when you are with somebody who is in a spiral of any description just being inside can be can be quite claustrophobic and it can also be quite intense just sat opposite somebody yeah you know in a a small room or on a sofa it's quite intimidating so I think anytime that you can be like Let's go for a walk. Yeah, you know, let's go for a walk to say. So let's let's take a drive and go to that cafe. Yeah, because also that's a nice thing because there's also an end point. Yeah, you know, as a young person, they're probably thinking, "Oh my gosh, oh do I have to stay with my mum for the next two hours?" Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's true. But you know, you do it. You do a car journey. I've had so many young people who've had a really difficult conversation to have, and they've been nervous about it, and they'll come in the next day and they're like. We did it on the way to football practice. That's right. Oh my God, it was brilliant. We just sat in the car because again, they're not looking at you, yes. they're focusing right. on the road, right. you know? And as long as it's not like a, you know, particularly distressing, right. you know, we don't yeah. want a yeah. pair of driving a, a car. And, <laughs> no, um, but it's, it's more casual and it's mm-hmm. just, it's less intense. And there's an end point. Yeah. They get out then, and they go to their football yeah. practice. There's a, a built-in break, yeah, very which smart. I think is also important.
0: Because otherwise you can start going round and round in circles. Yes, yes. No, that's that's very good advice. I've had lots of good conversations in the car with Joey too. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, if people want to find out more about what you do or or use you as a coach, how would they get a hold of you, Jeanette? If they go to JeanetteMatthew.com, that is my website. And there is a contact form
1: okay. in there where they can just, you know, Casually get in touch, say hello, say what's happening. Am I somebody who can help them with their particular, you know, concern? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not, there might be somebody that I also know, uh-huh. you know, who I can think, actually, I know someone who'd be great to help you with that. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, or someone might get in touch with me and be like, this is I'm like... Awesome! I cannot wait to meet with you and find okay. out more. Like okay. this, you know, I'd be excited,
0: uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. to work with you. So yeah, JeanetteMatthew.com Okay, and I'll put that in the show notes too. Thank you. Well, we can all tell how passionate you are about helping people, helping our teens especially, and and just helping everybody become the person they know they can be, right? And to clear yeah. away some of that anxiety and some of those blockages. And mm-hmm. I, I think you're fabulous, and I think your energy is is uh-huh. very. Uh, contagious. And I imagine you help a lot of people and I know you will continue to. So thank you for all Uh, your work you've been doing and thank you for sharing it with us.
1: Thank you so much, Beth, for, for this opportunity for the conversation. You know, you do, I've listened to some of your podcasts now as well, since we've been introduced, you do a marvelous job. What a resource for people. And I don't know of any other podcasts that are really focusing on supporting the family supporting you know the young people being so vulnerable and sharing your own journey being so authentic with that because there's so many people out there who are oh my gosh yes that's that's similar to mine or that's this so um
0: I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you it's been lovely oh good well thank you so much yeah we really want to destigmatize mental health and addiction. And just if more people can talk about this stuff, I think it's better. You know, if people can just share maybe a little bit with their neighbor or a friend or yeah. someone at church or a therapist or just start opening up a little bit, it will, it will really help everybody. So that's good. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> We're all on the same team here. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I'm sure you got lots of really good practical advice and nuggets you can use from Jeanette. And uh, I hope you share this episode with somebody else you know that might be able to use this information. And find us on social media and on YouTube and follow us. We also have a Patreon account if you would like to support us with a donation every month for $5, $10, or $25 a month. And that all helps us to maintain a commercial-free podcast and helps us mount other workshops and things like that that we're doing. So we have a website and you can get on our email list. All that stuff is down below in the show notes. So check us out and share our podcast so we can help as many people as we can. And thank you again, Jeanette, for being here. You're fabulous. I hope lots of people go find you. Thank you. And hold down the fort there in England. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will try. Yeah. I, I
1: I love it. I I love the people that I meet. And it's such an honor that they they share their story.
0: So great. And it's so great you can work worldwide. I think that's amazing. I you know. know. Technology it's another advantage, it. isn't it? If yeah. Te- not
1: yeah. And if what's happened over the last few years, it's opened up a whole new mouth. Yeah.
0: Making lemonade out of lemons, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure well keep up the good work you're doing awesome and thank you everyone for listening and jeanette and i want you all to stay Stay safe. safe